Real Life Moms community, I am so excited to announce that now you can subscribe to the Real Life Moms podcast. For only $1.99 a month, you'll have access to ad-free previous release, subscriber-only episodes, early release of our upcoming episodes, and once a month, you'll have access to a bonus content like behind the scenes or an intimate Q&A with our guests. A subscription to Real Life Moms podcast can make an amazing gift for yourself or for someone you love. So subscribe today. Just click on the link in the show notes of this episode. And now back to this week's podcast. Welcome to Real Life Moms. I'm your host, Lisa Foster. And Real Life Moms is a podcast that's all about moms having real conversations, sharing resources, and telling their inspiring stories. Our mission is to connect moms by talking about these topics that parents deal with every day and to continue these conversations in our Real Life Moms Facebook group where we would love for you to become part of our community. This week, I'm joined by Allison Lieberman, who is a licensed marriage and family therapist, postpartum anxiety expert, mom of two, and two times postpartum anxiety survivor. She is the co-founder of Rooted in Harmony Counseling, a California-based group therapy practice dedicated to helping moms with anxiety, relationships, and parenting. She is the host of the new Mama Mentor podcast, and today she is here to discuss the topic of postpartum anxiety. Hi, Allison, and welcome to Real Life Moms. And today we're going to discuss postpartum anxiety. And I know this is something that you personally had experience with. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. And so I'm sure we'll hear a little bit about that story. But you've also dedicated your personal practice in helping new moms with anxiety and parenting. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. And anything that can spread the knowledge around this, I'm all about. Why don't you tell us a little bit about just your background yourself and what you're doing in your work? Yeah. So as you said, I am a therapist and I struggled with postpartum anxiety after having both of my children. Um, After having my son, it was really sort of like the beginning of this whole process where I realized there wasn't enough information, there wasn't enough access around postpartum mental health in general. And so it sort of led me to this place of building my own practice and really dedicating my life's work to postpartum mental health, but most specifically postpartum anxiety, since it's so unknown. I feel like the word is unknown, right? (laughs) Yeah. So I have a group. I work with uh, four other clinicians, and we all sort of have our own specialties within the realm of postpartum mental health. That's amazing. Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. I didn't even know about postpartum anxiety. I have two kids. Okay. Yeah, know. <laughs> and and embarrassing enough, I work with babies and moms. I'm a, phys- a pediatric physical therapist. Yeah, and still, you know, didn't know. And and the reason I did hear about it was because about a month or so ago, I had somebody on my podcast, Megan Sherman came on and talked about postpartum depression, and she mentioned it. So I had no idea. I've never heard of it. Yeah. And actually, just to sort of add on to that so that you're not sitting in your embarrassment alone. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I was already a licensed therapist when I had kids. So I already went to school, I already got my hours, I already sat for my exam. And I had never heard of postpartum anxiety. I had heard of postpartum depression, as we all, I think, do. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but I didn't really know much about it. And what I did know, I didn't align with in my experience at the time. Yeah, I w- went to a lot of providers. No one really could tell me what was causing my anxiety. And it was, I had always been anxious, but I had never experienced anxiety like that before. So do you mind talking a little bit about really defining postpartum anxiety and and what the difference is between that and postpartum depression? Yeah, of course. So postpartum anxiety, it's sort of like an umbrella term for different disorders within that. So it sort of encapsulates general anxiety, OCD, panic disorder, and PTSD. So when we look at it from that perspective, it's sort of, it's pretty big, actually, probably bigger than postpartum depression, Mm -hmm. but we just don't really talk about it. And it's sort of the difference between the two is anxiety is the activation of the brain. So we're heightened most of the time and typically, not always, but typically it's around something happening to the baby. And that's why I think people don't recognize it because they think it's normal. And sometimes, too, it comes up less frequently, but there's a fear that something's going to happen to themselves and they're going to leave their baby. Okay. I can see this happening, right? Like, I mean, a lot of us are anxious about our babies, you know? (laughs) So I can see why it can be just like, okay, they're just anxious. But how do you how do you even know when it when it is over the edge, I guess, too much? Great question. So like, when you think of the anxiety in terms of like, some people don't like flying, some people don't care, right? Mm -hmm. You know, that's a very like personalized experience. Whereas like, postpartum, we have to be anxious, we have to be heightened to maintain the health and wellness of our babies, right? So Mm -hmm. It's really the difference between how much is it impacting your functioning and mm-hmm. your day-to-day life versus how much of this is just like the typical like, okay, we're just making sure baby has a, a wet diaper or a dry diaper or taking them to their appointments. Like those are all stressful things, but they're not necessarily like impacting your functioning. Mm-hmm. Whereas a, somebody who's struggling with like a postpartum anxiety, it's you know, obsessively tracking diapers after three months, right? When, Mm. you know, there's some cases where that's necessary, but not typically. Um, Calling the pediatrician a lot. I always like to think of, I don't know if you ever watched the show Friends. Oh, my favorite show. Rachel (laughs) has Emma, like, Uh and she's calling the pediatrician about everything. Like that is postpartum anxiety. (laughs) Mm, Cause I did that. I did that. I I mean, not everything, but I like, I think I had anxiety around food or something like that. Cause I had, I didn't understand how to feed the kid. Right? I was like, so do I try this? And I'd be like, I'm trying pears now people. Like, is that okay? Like yeah. I would call friends. I would call the doctor. I would, I actually had my kid try peanut butter in the doctor's office. Like we were in the waiting room and I was like, oh, it's peanut time. I'm going to give it to them in the waiting room. So if there's an anaphylactic shock, the doctor's right there. Yeah. Is that anxiety? It is. is. (laughs) Where were you? (laughs) One, like, of course, like there's a realistic fear around like a peanut allergy, right? It's sort of like ingrained in us that, you know, if somebody has a peanut allergy and you don't know it and they have peanuts, then like they could just die. So like there's, there's some truth in that. And so that's sort of where the anxiety grows. And most people know, one, that it's probably not going to happen. And two, like, 
you could call 911. You don't have to introduce it in the middle of the doctor's office. <laughs> <laughs> but that was like your safety net. And then the it was. thing is like the validation. Validation mm-hmm. seeking is huge with anxiety, but more specifically OCD. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when we aren't necessarily confident in our decisions and we're anxious that our decision is going to be detrimental, we seek validation from people around us so we don't feel alone. Boy, I was a mess. I probably could have used a a clinic like your own. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And we don't realize it. And so there's sort of like this perpetual thing. This comes up with like pelvic floor health too. But, Mm. you know, you say something to someone like, oh, I'm really stressed that like, you know, when the baby goes to sleep at night that they're not going to wake up. And somebody else who maybe experienced that that didn't know they had anxiety would be like, yeah, that's totally normal. Like, Mm -hmm. it's okay that you're not sleeping. It's okay that you're obsessing over it and checking on the baby every five minutes. So we're sort of perpetuating this narrative that like, it's okay to be anxious because it's normal. But what you're saying, and it really isn't normal. Yeah, stress is normal. Anxiety Mm -hmm. is not. Now you did struggle with postpartum anxiety. Can you share some of your experiences and, and story behind that? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, I think with all postpartum anxiety struggles, the story starts before the baby. Mm-hmm. So I, my dad died when I was really young and my mom was also really ill for a while. And so my life was just sort of surrounded with like the potential of death and dying. And mm-hmm. I, I spent a lot of time avoiding processing that. And so when I found out I was pregnant with my son, I really tried hard to like avoid the attachment for fear that something bad was going to happen. Even though I was excited to be pregnant, like I did not want to admit that I was attached to him. And then when I was 36 weeks, like to the day, my water broke and I went to the hospital and they said like, everything seems fine. He seems fine. He doesn't need the NICU team. And I was like, great, that sounds great. And so he came out, he was crying, all of that. And they went to like weigh him and all of that. And they were like flicking his foot and no one was saying anything to me. And so I said, like, is everything okay? And they were like, um, we don't like how he sounds. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay. And then next thing I knew, full team of medical professionals came in, pulled him out. My husband went with them. And then I was just in the room alone. That's frightening. It was terrifying. Mm -hmm. And then, but I am a chronic, like, (laughs) (laughs) under-exaggerator because I've had anxiety for a lot of my life. So I've learned to do that. Mm -hmm. So I was like, it's okay. He's okay. This is normal, whatever. And so, but then when I saw him, it was like the whole, everything just came crashing down, Mm -hmm. but I didn't want anybody to know. So that was like, sort of like the first clue in hindsight that like something was probably gonna go awry at some point is that like I did not want to tell anybody how I felt and I didn't tell my family I didn't tell my husband I didn't tell my friends it was just like yeah he was in the NICU but he's fine right so we went home and everything was good for a while like I had baby blues in the sense that like anything would make me cry but it it dissipated and and then it was just the anxiety but when I would go to bed at night I would close my eyes and I would have these like really vivid images of him drowning in a pool. Wow. It was like nothing that had ever happened to me before. And I would wake up and be like, oh my gosh, like that is the most disturbing thought. I need to go check on him. 
So then I would go check on him and make sure that he was still breathing. And then that was sort of the start of this like OCD type behavior. Mm-hmm. So every time I had one of those thoughts, which was every night. <laughs> the same the same type of dream of him drowning or just different dreams? Yeah. So it wasn't a dream. I was awake. Oh, oh you were awake. Okay. Yeah. So they're what we call intrusive thoughts and they can be images or they can be thoughts. And mine were just images. So I could like very vividly see a picture of him drowning while I'm awake. So that's sort of why it was like so disturbing. And I I couldn't just write it off as like, oh, that was a really bad nightmare. And it was impacting my ability to sleep because I'd have to do the whole process. Like every time I had the thought, I'd have to get up, I'd have to check on him. I have, I have like, I would literally sit there staring at him Mm -hmm. and like, I would count how many times his chest rose. So that I could make sure he was breathing and then I'd get in bed and it would start all over again. And still, I'm not telling anybody this, but then I'm (laughs) noticing like my sleep is being impacted and my mood and my ability to function during the day is being impacted even more so than if I just had a newborn. Mm -hmm. And so I talked to a doctor and I talked to a therapist and they're like, yeah, like, you know, you're just anxious. But I still wouldn't tell anybody that I was having those thoughts because I was terrified yeah, because it's, I mean, you're like, why are you thinking that, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, right? Like, I guess the worry would be like, are you thinking it because you actually want to harm your child or, you know, you know, like it's, I could see why it totally so tangled. Yeah, totally. And I knew for sure that it wasn't because I wanted that, but I right. didn't know how to communicate it to somebody else that I didn't mm-hmm. want that. Mm-hmm. And so I was just saying, like, I'm having a hard time sleeping. I'm having a hard time sleeping. I'm really anxious. And so, like, they gave me medication and I was seeing a therapist, but, like, it, ne- it wasn't getting better. The intrusive thoughts went away, but the anxiety never went away. And I think the intrusive thoughts went away because of the medication, not because I had worked something out. Then I found out I was pregnant with my daughter. Oh, wow. So you were still having these, this whole thing, and then you got pregnant again. So it yeah. didn't go away. Wow. Okay. That's yeah. A lot. <laughs> yeah. And then what's interesting is when I got pregnant with my daughter, it was unexpected. And we went to, or I went to my first OB appointment and the OB was like, you have to get off of your medication right now. Like immediately you cannot be on this medication. And I was like, wow, that's like intense, you know, but like, I better get off of it. And it turns out the medication I was on would not have impacted my pregnancy. So it was an, it was not the right reaction for her to have, but I didn't experience any of that intrusive thought stuff when I was pregnant again, off my medication. But when I was pregnant with my daughter, my husband almost died. He was in a race where he got this condition called rhabdomyolysis and he was in the hospital and it was crazy. And I felt that anxiety, but again, like no intrusive thoughts. So I was like, okay, this is normal anxiety. But like my doctors, again, like weren't hearing me, weren't hearing me. But at this point, I had done some training on perinatal mental health. And like I had learned about postpartum anxiety and I was starting to get some more information. So I was starting to understand what I could start advocating for a little bit more. Mm Mm-hmm which was helpful, not thinking that I was crazy, but still not telling anybody what's going on in my brain yet. And when I had her, it was the first week of the pandemic. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) You did have a lot going on. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so 
that sort of like was a lot, obviously. Now I have two kids. We're in the middle of a pandemic. We don't know what's going to happen. And then I started to have the thoughts again about a month in. I started having the same exact intrusive thought of now my daughter falling in a pool and drowning. And I was like, okay, this is definitely related to whatever hormonal changes have happened in my body in terms of carrying a baby and giving birth and all of that. And so I was able to find like a therapist that understood a little bit more. I had some more knowledge on it. I started listening to podcasts and books and doing research. And I found a psychiatrist that was really helpful who prescribed me the right medications. And all of that was like good for probably like 10 months. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when I weaned off breastfeeding, even though I was still on my medications and everything, I actually got the intrusive thoughts again. Oh, wow. So it's definitely for me, it was something very hormonal because it got better after I stopped breastfeeding. And I didn't breastfeed with my son. I should mention that. Mm -hmm. Um, But still, like the anxiety was there. It just wasn't those intrusive visualizations anymore. Mm -hmm. And it really came down to aside from the intrusive thoughts and the whole like ritual that I had sort of created for myself to manage that was that like I was anxious because I felt like I was the only person that could take care of my kids. And even if I left them with my husband or my in-laws or my mom, all people who I trust, I couldn't stop thinking about something bad was going to happen to them. And my husband would like put them in the car and take them for a drive. And I'd be like, okay, well, you need to text me when you get to this place. And you need to text me when you get to this place. I need to know that you got there safely. And so all of those are sort of these manifestations of this anxiety that, Mm -hmm. again, I had anxiety before, but not to this extent. So a lot of this has just been like noticing the things that are triggering me, right? And of course, all of these things are around death. So clearly, I have some issues around death. (laughs) Right. And so, you know, that's the kind of stuff that I had to process in therapy. And I think the hardest part in terms of new moms is that like, I, of course, have tons of training in this, so I can identify this stuff pretty quickly because I've done a lot of it in practice, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of new moms are sitting there in these super anxious thoughts, which are so overwhelming, and they don't have the ability yet. They haven't learned the skills yet Mm -hmm. to like sort of tease out like what is going on in my brain right now. I mean, I can't even, I can't even imagine <laughs> because what you did, I mean, I had anxiety. I think I'm, I was probably a step below, you know, like I didn't have any intrusive thoughts, but I definitely had anxiety of other people taking care of my child and things like that. I had to work through, but I have so many questions. Yeah. <laughs> just so many questions. Okay. So first off, do you feel that just being anxious or having anxiety pre could put somebody more at risk for having this postpartum anxiety. Yeah. So with most, you know, mental health issues, there's always like precipitating factors. So any, anything that's happened before having a baby, whether you had depression, anxiety, trauma, all of those are going to automatically put you in the category that you could potentially have those. It doesn't mean that you will. It doesn't mean if you didn't have those things before, you won't, Mm -hmm. but it's definitely a higher chance. And Mm -hmm. if you have postpartum anxiety or depression with your first, you have a higher likelihood of having it again if you have more than one child. 
Okay. And, and for you, you know, you had this anxiety around death, it sounds like, and your postpartum anxiety was also kind of around that death again. So Mm -hmm. kind of working through that was important for you. Yeah. Uh, Okay. And then I guess my other question is, as I'm listening and knowing that you're also a therapist and knowing all these steps you kind of took that weren't that helpful, like, yes, it decreased. <laughs> I mean, it just sounds like it wasn't that helpful, yeah. right? Um, what, knowing what you know now and you treating other people who have this, what what would you recommend for somebody as a treatment? Yeah. Well, as a treatment or like something they can do at home? I guess anything that would be helpful. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So like in terms of treatment, I am a big advocate, like find people who specialize in it because those are the people that are not going to overreact to the thoughts that you have. Right. Mm -hmm. So most people, I won't say all, but I would say a big percentage of people in the perinatal mental health realm have had their own experience one way Mm -hmm. or another and are really passionate about making sure that moms or expecting parents feel supported. We, so these are safe people to tell those intrusive thoughts to. Yeah. what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the big difference in the training piece is that intrusive thoughts are disturbing. That's why they're intrusive. Mm-hmm. And you know that you don't want that to happen. That's different than a psychosis where you're hallucinating or delusional, right? Like that is a different category and we're trained to know the difference. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it, it's definitely important to talk about it. It's so scary to put yourself out there and be vulnerable, but the more that we talk about these things, the less stigmatized they are, right? So mm-hmm. telling your partner, like I, even if you can't verbalize the thoughts that you're having because it's too scary saying like I'm scared because I'm having these really intense thoughts and I don't know what to do Mm -hmm. right and some of the thoughts don't have to be as severe as mine were um one a very popular one is like when you're walking down the stairs and you're like what if the baby flies out of my arms Mm -hmm. that's a really popular one that happens (laughs) so yeah talking about it talking to other friends that have kids that maybe haven't talked about it and know what you're going through. Mm -hmm. Those are all really helpful. But Um, it sounds like also finding a therapist mm -hmm. that actually specializes in this to talk to you as well. Okay. And Postpartum Support International, um, their website is postpartum.net. They have so many resources that are free and available too. So if you don't know where to go or you don't know what to do, that's a great place to start. Oh, that's wonderful. So that's great. And they have therapists as well on there that they have a directory. So all of us that specialize in it are listed in the directory. Great. So you can go on there and look for somebody, but they also have support groups for different stages. They have support groups for moms, support groups for dads, fertility, miscarriages, and they're free. Awesome. That's awesome. So other than talking to therapists, friends, and spouses. Yes. Is there anything else that you found helpful? Truthfully, I think the biggest thing is like making space for yourself mm-hmm. to sort of get to know this new version of you, right? Because so many things have changed. And like I said, like it really takes a lot of time and effort to understand what it is that you're so afraid of. And so even being able to make 
space for 10 minutes a day where you just are away from everybody, like the babies with someone safe or sleeping. You're not having to worry about anybody in that moment and just focusing on yourself because that's the first thing to go, right? Like Mm -hmm. you have a baby and like nothing in your life matters about you anymore. And so not doing that to yourself and connecting with yourself and getting to know this new version of you, I think is really important. Another thing that I recommend to all moms is there's a book called Good Moms Have Scary Thoughts. Mm, okay. It's by Karen Kleinman. It is not an audio book. It's a, a actual physical book, which I'm not a big physical book person. <laughs> I know. I'm an audio person too. That's okay. Yes. But I will, my selling point for this book is it's short and it's half pictures. Ooh, yay. And they're like cartoons. Okay. So it's not like a sit down and read and learn book. It's like each page focuses on a different type of thought or feeling or behavior that comes up with new moms that other moms have reported that they struggle with and what to do. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's a great book. Now, you, you mentioned like, I think men in, in this scenario, uh, men support through this uh, website and things. And I was just thinking when you said carrying the baby down the stairs and falling, my husband had a huge fear of that. That was mm-hmm. constant. He was afraid that I was going to drop the baby. He was afraid yeah. he was going to drop the baby. Do men suffer from this as well? They do. Wow. They do. Because the truth is, is like postpartum anxiety isn't just hormones. Of course, there's an element of that, right? Mm -hmm. That would be silly to deny that. But it's also the adjustment and the responsibility. Mm -hmm. And so for dads, like that's a huge shift. And they didn't have the same preparation that the mom had, right? right? Most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time, like, The mom is the one going to the doctor's appointments and they're the ones like preparing their mind and their body for what's going to happen. And the men don't tend to be in that same position because they don't have to be right. And so unless they're making that conscious decision to really go through pregnancy the same way, their journey starts the day the baby's there. And so there's a lot of anxiety there and they don't get a lot of training you know, moms don't either, but (laughs) you know, a lot of, like, I know my husband's dad, he didn't change diapers because that wasn't a thing when my husband was born. Right. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of men didn't back when, like, I think of my parents, right. Yeah. Maybe my dad did. I don't remember. (laughs) So like my husband sort of had to like learn from me or learn from his mom and couldn't ask his dad because his dad didn't know, you know, Mm -hmm. And so there, there's definitely gaps in the preparation for men to become dads and adjust to that level of responsibility. And I think there's also, you know, the mom is a lot of times breastfeeding or feeding. They're the one that's getting up. There's less for them to even do, you know, yeah. they don't know where their place really is initially, I think. Totally. So it takes a little time. Totally. And yeah, like I think in terms of, because men can also experience postpartum depression, right? Like adjusting to their new identity that, you know, their relationship with their wife is different and their family life is different and their freedom is different. Like there's so many things that shift once you bring that baby home and you leave like the safety net of the hospital. So 
I'm thinking about, you know, follow-ups and things like that. Are, are there, I, I, there are screens, right, for the doctor's office when you go for your checkups after having a birth or that they're looking at depression and anxiety? Are they doing those checklists or anything in the hospital or follow-up appointments? Ooh, this is a hot topic that I have a lot of feelings about. Okay. (laughs) Um, So the current screening that is available, evidence-based, that whole thing is for postpartum depression only. Um, And yes, doctors, pediatricians, OBs, primary doctors, like if you've had a baby within a year, they give you it's called the like the Edinburgh postnatal depression screening. And that's for depression though. Is that correct? correct? Yeah, there isn't one for anxiety. And I would be shocked if doctors actually read those. You mean oh, so the patient fills it out. The doctor does not ask the questions. The patients are just filling them out. Is that yeah. correct? Okay. Yes, they, you you typically get it in your like packet that you get when you're waiting for the doctor. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I know like we have Kaiser insurance. So what, every time we go there, they have a screening for us to fill out, like in terms of like development for our kids. And they'll include that for the first year in that packet. And I've never had anybody ask me about it. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've probably filled out 20 of those. Okay. And, and are you putting numbers down <laughs> that should show that you're depressed or anxious? Also a good question. Um, one, obviously I know how to fill out these questionnaires, but uh-huh. two, like they're very leading for lack of a better word. So like if it says like, do you have thoughts of harming your baby? Mm-hmm. If somebody does and they're too afraid to tell anybody, they're going to put no. Oh, Right. So if doctors were really doing like their due diligence around these, they would have them fill them out and then they would talk about them, whether Mm -hmm. or not they scored high. So let me ask you this, since you have gone through this yourself and you have clients that you work with, Mm -hmm. um, if you can give a doctor one or two questions that could, they could ask that you would know this person is suffering from anxiety, what would those two questions be? The first question would be, how are you sleeping? Not how is the baby sleeping, but how are you sleeping? Because typically when you ask that question, moms will say, oh, you know, like, fine, the baby's up, you know, and then kind of reframing it like, no, I know I'm asking how you're sleeping. That would be one of them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So if the baby was asleep, how are you sleeping? Are you sleeping knowing that they were taken care of? Okay. Yes, that would be one question. The other question would be, are you afraid something bad is going to happen to your baby? Mm, That's a good one. Yeah. Because again, like these are easy questions on a piece of paper. You could say yes or no. Mm -hmm. Right. And probably typically somebody would say no. But if you ask the question, you could see how the person reacts. So you could see how they would respond and you can ask more questions so that they feel comfortable. I think we all feel, I'm speaking for everybody on the planet. So sorry, but (laughs) we all feel like we're bothering doctors, you know? And the truth is, is they get paid to give these questionnaires. They get paid more. Mm -hmm. You fill out the questionnaire. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I love that you said, are you afraid something bad's going to happen? Because that's different than saying, do you want to, you know, are you you afraid you're going to harm your baby or whatever that question was seemed more like you're going to harm your baby, right? Yeah. Yeah. Whereas this is like, are you afraid of them? being harmed. And that seems more like someone would then say, 
a yes to without having all that fear that they're doing something wrong. Yes. And I should mention, I typically mention this in the beginning when someone asked me this and I forgot, but just for some perspective in terms of like the questions that doctors ask, postpartum anxiety is not an official diagnosis in the medical world. Postpartum depression is. So that's why they're not screening for it. But I, I'm not sure when postpartum depression entered the DSM. I'm not sure on the date. But I want to say that it wasn't in the DSM-4. If it was, it definitely wasn't in the DSM-3. So, like, we're just not there yet in terms of, like, progressiveness. And it really does take enough people talking about it. Right. We don't right. talk about it. We don't know that it exists. And so the louder we are, the more we talk about it, the more we demand that people acknowledge it, then it starts to enter into the existence. And then eventually can become a code and doctors may then look at it closer. Let's face facts. I think we're all doing a good job at taking care of babies, right? Um, You bring your baby to the doctor, they're looked at, they got their shots, they, you know, they're looking at everything there, you know, and the mom just kind of comes along, they're exhausted, (laughs) They're yep. hardly seen, honestly, right? They're mm-hmm. looking at baby. Even when people visit you, you're hardly seen. I mean, it's all about the baby. Yeah. In an ideal postpartum wellness center, like if we Ooh. just created one, isn't this fun? Because you never know who's listening. You could create these. What would you put in it for the mom? Good question. Number one, mm-hmm. I would put in a feeding group Yes. that talked about the normalcy of not being able to breastfeed. Yes. And it's okay to give your baby formula and Mm. you need to do what's best for you. And just because somebody else is breastfeeding doesn't mean you have to. Just because your mom tells you that she did it doesn't mean you have to. Um, And creating that safe space for people to process that, I think, Mm. honestly, would solve a lot of problems. Yes, yes. People are, I see, I see this clientele a lot. Um, parents have struggling with breastfeeding and, and feeling horrible and guilty and like failures, honestly, that they cannot breastfeed. And yeah. I mean, there are generations that were just formula fed, really, um, you know, so whatever works, but yeah, they are struggling. So I love that. I love that. Yeah. So that's definitely like one of the first things I think another one would be like a mom's only 30 minute group mm. where like you talk about how to incorporate different like self care activities into your day. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I say moms only is because, you know, typically we are a very accepting society in terms of bringing newborns places. And I think it's great. And I want to like I am totally for that. I always let moms bring their kids into sessions because it's better to do that than to stress out. But if you start from the beginning and learning to take that time away, it makes it so much easier when you're by yourself. Oh, the feeling of just being alone as a new mom. Yeah. Can be amazing. I'll never forget when I went back to work, I went back pretty early and I was like, oh my God, I can have lunch. I was so sad to leave my kid at daycare, but I was like, there's lunch involved where I sit and I can eat with utensils. Yeah. Two hands, two, two hands conversation. Oh, beautiful. Yes. I love that too. I'm so coming to this, by the way. I might (laughs) even have a I might even have one more kid just to I'm just kidding. But I do have one last thing I would add. Yes. It would be a sensory room. A sensory room. For who? 
the moms. Mm -hmm. Because another thing we don't talk a lot about is like sensory overload. So like being out touched or sounds or tastes or smells, like all those things are heightened after you have a baby. It can be really overwhelming. So being able to either have a room where there's sort of like that sensory deprivation piece where like you could just not be touched for five minutes, not have to listen to anybody screaming for five minutes, not smell poop or old milk for five minutes, (laughs) you know, like all of those things. Yeah. I think my sensory room was my shower. Yeah. It was very young. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's great. That and then I would add a little coffee and lunch. Well, yeah. <laughs> food is mandatory. That's great. I, those are, first of all, those are all amazing ideas. So I hope, I hope you do that. Yeah. <laughs> I hope someone steals my ideas. Honestly. Yeah. So we're putting it out there for anyone to steal. And then please <laughs> let real life moms know so we can post it and all the moms can um, go. Yeah. Yeah. That would be great. I know you mentioned some resources. I love that postpartum net.net and that book, The Good Moms Have Scary Thoughts. Yes. Are there any other really great resources for any parents that are currently struggling with postpartum anxiety and maybe don't even know that they are? Yeah, totally. So there's another book. Well, there's two books that are are pretty popular, but one is called The Fourth Trimester. And that's just sort of about like the difficulty in adjusting to that postpartum transition. And then the other one is also a Karen Kleinman book. This isn't what I expected. And that is definitely around like that whole postpartum mental health piece. I also... My podcast is sort of dedicated to that. Um, yeah, of it is to you know have open conversations about postpartum life, but also for moms to hear what resources are available, what's normal versus what's not normal in their postpartum experience, and hear other mom stories. Oh uh, yes, so your podcast is called the New Mama Mentor. Is that right? Yes. And where can we find that? On any podcast streaming network. Perfect. And then do you also have a website? I do. So my website is rihcounseling.com. And I'm also on Instagram at the new mama mentor. I post a lot of resources on there too. So what would you like moms to know? Well, I think the standard, we tend to all say this in the maternal mental health world is that they're not alone. Mm-hmm. No, there's other people out there that have been through it that want to help and all of that. I think the other piece is that like, none of us know what we're doing. <laughs> it's so like, so true. So true. I have my hand raised really high. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, we don't know what we're doing. We're all sort of, you know, putting the cart before the horse and hoping that it works out. And, you know, it's okay to fail. It's okay to make mistakes. And as long as you're learning from them. Yeah. And I don't even think of it as failing as much as like you're learning. Yeah. You know, they're, they're learning and you're learning, you know, the, I always say to my, uh, my teen, I think I, I say to her, you know, this is my first time being a teen mom. Yes. I've been a mom for 16 years, yeah. but 
this is my first teen experience. And so I'm always learning and I'm always, sorry, you're the first child, you know, the second yeah. one, maybe, maybe we'll do a little bit better, but let's face facts. They're different. They're never going to do the same thing. The first one did anyway. So we're yeah. always learning. So I don't think as much as failure, it's just you know, trial and error. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I love that Yeah, because it's, it, you know, it's true. Like you, you don't know, you know, you haven't done it before and I think we, at least as our kids get older, for sure, we try to make everything fair, but that's not true either. No. Yeah, it's definitely not true. And I, and I remember personally, like when my kids were younger, because I think I was a pediatric physical therapist, I kind of thought like, Hey, I got this. I treat babies all the time. I'm very comfortable with them. Like this is, this is going to be great. You know, I got it all. I'll know how to do it all. And then uh, lo and behold, like, you know, baby's born and you're like, uh, no, wait a minute. I don't give your kid back, you know, like, is that in therapy? I can give them back and then they go away and then they yeah. come back to me. <laughs> but this, this kid was staying, right? <laughs> like 24 yeah. hours. And I was like, wait a minute. I don't know anything, you know? Yes. Maybe a little tummy time. I'm really good at that. But yeah, I don't know anything. It's all learning and yeah, just getting that support, knowing it's okay. You're definitely not alone and, and ask the stupid questions. Yeah. Yes. And I actually, just to point out what you said in terms of like, you thought that you knew what you were doing because of your career. Like that was probably the hardest thing to overcome in my own journey is yes, I worked with kids forever. So like that was an assumption I made as well, but also that like, I thought that I would have been able to prevent myself from having that anxiety, you know? Mm -hmm. And what did it say about me that I had that anxiety when I'm a therapist, you know? And so, you know, if people that are listening are in fields like doctors and therapists and pediatricians and physical therapists and occupational therapists, like just because it's your job, does it mean that you can't experience these things too. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. That's a really good point. What has been just your overall favorite mom's resource? Ooh, good question. Ooh, I'm trying to think because the good mom has scary thoughts is a number one that I literally suggest to everybody. I think for me, what has been like the most helpful is honestly earplugs. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> okay, just to kind of have a quiet place. Yeah, because when you think about the overstimulation piece, it can be overwhelming. And like, we didn't even touch on rage, but like, that's a whole other piece of this. Mm -hmm. And I have found that my favorite earplugs are loop earplugs, but they don't drown out all the noise. So you could still hear everything. It's not like you're ignoring your kids, but it doesn't give you that like painful sensation in your brain when they're like screaming and you feel like you can't hear anything or think straight. They really help with that. Wow. Okay. That's great. I am not... <laughs> I ask this question quite often um, just to get other moms' opinion. I have not gotten that one. So I love yes. that. Yes. And Even they were given to me by one of my friends. That's a mom that had a, a baby shortly before I did. And that's her tip. And so she sort of passed that on to me. So <laughs> now I pass it on. 
Great. Yeah. Okay. So ear plugs. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And it's so real. I love that. Uh, well, thank you for sh- coming on the show and just yeah. sharing your knowledge about postpartum anxiety and your and your own story as well. And just making sure that other people have more awareness about postpartum anxiety. Like I said, I had never heard about it before. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. I loved this. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I'm so glad that Allison can bring awareness to postpartum anxiety and has dedicated her practice in helping new parents. Allison shared so many incredible resources. So if you are struggling with postpartum anxiety, please visit postpartum.net so you can find a therapist, a support group, or a resource that would benefit you. And don't forget, let's keep these conversations going, talking with other parents, your doctor, or join us on our Real Life Moms Facebook group so we can bond together.